Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective on the Mojo 5.0 radio network. To listen on demand, you can find us at Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can follow us on Twitter at Right Now Jim Dawes or email me at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. We've got a phone line set up that you can call in and leave a voicemail that we can use on a future broadcast. Call in with your questions, comments, or to insult the host. It's 772-245-0750. That number again is 772-245-0750. We'd love to hear from you. So you have no doubt heard that they arrested Julian Assange at the Ecuadorian embassy in London yesterday. And we're going to talk about that extensively in the first half hour of the program. And in the second half hour, we're going to talk about the Dems election schemes where they're trying to figure out ways to stuff the ballot box, give 16-year-olds the right to vote, continue their illegal alien vote fraud and, and voter harvesting and many other schemes they've got going we're going to talk to Dan Perkins about that in the second half hour. I want to remind you that uh, the Mojo Five O Radio Network is giving away a Smith and Wesson uh, bodyguard. Actually, Tar River Arms is giving it away through Mojo Five O, a Smith and Wesson bodyguard three eighty with a laser sight. It's a very nice weapon. Uh, it's got a seven round capacity, six in the clip and one in the chamber. It's got a crimson tracer uh, laser sight with a matte black finish and a stainless steel. Um, Or you can get it in two finishes, either matte black or stainless steel. It's a double action weapon and uh, it's perfect for a concealed carry weapon. You can uh, register to win this fine Smith & Wesson at mojo50.com slash register to win. That's mojo50.com slash register to win. So let's get into this. Julian Assange, after spending almost seven years holed up in the Ecuadorian embassy to avoid arrest, first on a charge which looked highly dubious uh, to me, a rape charge from Sweden. When you dug into it, you found out it wasn't a physical rape at all. Uh, it It was being mischaracterized. He was charged by a woman with um, not using a condom condom during sex, uh, leading her to believe he was wearing a condom, but not wearing a condom. So uh, those charges from Sweden were ultimately dropped. The charges were not pressed by the woman herself. They were pressed by the state, and this was right around the time when um, the CIA was after Assange for printing those um, those leaks from Bradley Manning that so damaged American national security. But those charges from Sweden were ultimately dropped. 
and that left uh, the United Kingdom for one charge of skipping bail. He was out on bail waiting extradition, and he uh, fled to the Ecuadorian embassy, and he's been there ever since. But there has been a pending charge in the U.K. for having skipped out on bail for that charge um, from Sweden, uh, the extradition. But uh, now uh, there has been a change of government in Ecuador, and they have decided that they wanted Assange out of there. They have uh, allowed the police to come in to the embassy and arrest Julian Assange, and he is now in jail on the skipping bail charge. And at the same time, the um, U.S. government has submitted an extradition request uh, against Assange. Now, if you listen to the media, you would believe that he was being extradited to the United States for leaking um, the DNC and John Podesta emails. Nothing could be further from the truth. This is one minor indictment against Assange. It's been sealed since um, 2016 for um, conspiracy to um, engage in computer hacking. The meat of the The substance of the indictment is uh, claims that Assange encouraged Brantley Manning to to hack into U.S. government computers to provide more damaging information on the U.S. effort in in Iraq. The the takeaway from the indictment is a 25-page indictment, but it's very thin. It says that during uh, an exchange, they've got... This on tape, Manning told Assange that after this upload, that's really all I've got left. To which Assange replied, it's, it's not a recording, it's a, um, a capture of a, a text message, I believe. But Manning told Assange, after this upload, that's all I've really got left. To which Assange replied, curious eyes never run dry in my experience. So... <laughs> Some pretty thin stuff for an indictment uh, that you're going to have to uh, extradite somebody from another country and then try to give them five years in jail for saying curious eyes never run dry. Now, the United States in their indictment is not claiming that Julian Assange violated any laws by publishing these, these leaks. Certainly, Bradley Manning committed uh, high uh, treason in leaking these to Julian Assange. But Julian Assange, depending on who you believe, is a journalist, and it has been well established that journalists are allowed to publish illegally obtained documents um, as long as they didn't break any laws to obtain them. That was the famous Pentagon case, where the Washington Post and the New York Times published uh, damaging information about our war effort in Vietnam. And then the U.S. government sued them to stop it. And the Supreme Court determined that it doesn't matter how illegally the documents were obtained, that if the, uh, if the Times and the Washington Post didn't break the law, that they were allowed to publish them. That's the freedom of the press. So I am no personally great supporter of Julian Assange. I think he did great damage to this nation and cost people their lives by publishing these 
these stolen documents from the traitor Bradley Manning. And, um, and I thought it was irresponsible. But having said that, it is squarely within the journalistic um, rights. And I think uh, that you could make a good argument that, um, that Julian Assange exercises his um, journalistic responsibilities more ethically and morally than does the Washington Post and the New York Times. At least Julian Assange public, publishes uh, leaks uh, in a, uh, a nonpartisan fashion. If he finds something that is um, in the, in the uh, public's interest to know, he will publish it, as opposed to the New York Times and the Washington Post, which will publish articles that hurt the nation, public art- articles that will hurt the Republicans, but have repeat, uh, demonstrated repeatedly that they will sit on articles that will damage their precious Democrat Party, as they did when they didn't publish the photographs of Barack Obama and, uh, and Louis Farrakhan. But uh, Bradley Manning committed treason. He should have been hung for it. He could have been hung for it. But he received a 35-year prison sentence instead, a very light sentence in light of the fact of the uh, being responsible for the greatest leak of classified top-secret information in our nation's history. There's a debate about whether or not that caused the death of foreign assets. I believe that it most certainly did. But um, after his arrest, he decided that he was going to transition uh, to a woman. And not too much longer after that, I think it was about five years, President Obama commuted his sentence and released him from jail. The left celebrated Bradley Manning and Chelsea Manning, and at the time, Julian Assange as heroes for the leaks of this uh, classified information that so damaged our efforts in in Iraq. I've got a clip here of uh, Barack Obama justifying his commutation of Manning's sentence. Let's be clear. Chelsea Manning has served a tough prison sentence. Uh, So the notion that uh, the average person who was thinking about disclosing uh, vital classified information would think that it goes unpunished, uh, uh, I don't think would get that impression from the sentence uh, that Chelsea Manning has served. Well, I guess you could say that about anything. Five years is certainly a, a long time. Uh, people uh, get harsher sentences to serve for doing far, far less than Chelsea Manning. And the only discernible uh, rationale for pardoning Manning is, one, if President Obama agreed with undermining the war effort or because he had, in fact, become a trans and, and therefore a protected class that, uh, that was uh, deserving of special treatment. Bradley Manning did this during wartime. It was a treasonous act. Normally, he could have been hung for that. He got a very light sentence in his original uh, plea for 35 years, 
and then only served a tiny portion of that. Then after Manning was released, um, Manning became a vocal, outspoken critic of the United States and even at one point ran for uh, office. I think he ran for the U.S. Senate in Maryland before having some sort of nervous breakdown and, and almost committing suicide. Whoever decided that this is this guy was okay to award a uh, top-secret security clearance uh, should be held accountable as well. But the Democrats and the, uh, the leftist opposition media want you to believe that uh, this arrest of Julian Assange is all about the, the WikiLeaks release of the DNC and John Podesta emails and for colluding with the Russians. Let's be very clear. There is absolutely no proof of that. Assange himself has denied it repeatedly. And he has made statements, and I've played it on this program many times before, and I'm not going to play it again today, that in fact, uh, Seth Rich was the source of the DNC emails, that it was not a hack that it was a leak from internal of the DNC, and then Assange referred to the murder of Seth Rich. Now, if you want to connect the dots here, you need only uh, observe that Robert Mueller studiously avoided ever forensically examining the DNC servers. He took CrowdStrike's word for it, and CrowdStrike was a contractor for the Democrat Party itself. He just took their word for it, never did his own independent forensic examination, uh, studiously avoided looking into Seth Rich's assassination, and never even bothered traveling to London to interview Julian Assange, who was captive and would have certainly uh, been able to sit for an interview in the Ecuadorian embassy. And then at one point, uh, Assange offered to come to the United States to testify regarding these matters if he would be given immunity for prosecution. Now, the immunity that he's asking for apparently contained in this indictment is only for encouraging hacking. And it's a very thin accusation at that. So normally... um, the Department of Justice would have certainly granted immunity on such a minor charge as the one contained in the indictment in order to find out exactly what happened in the in the uh, release of the DNC emails, who may have been the source, and, and how uh, WikiLeaks came into possession of those, um, those emails. But guess what? James Comey uh, revoked the immunity deal that uh, Assange had offered and refused to allow him because, once again, they did not want to know, or they did not want us to know, I should say, what was the true source of these emails. So, you know, making Assange a tool of Russia has been an article of faith for the Democrats and even the never-Trumpers and the GOP. You might remember when McClatchy ran stories that Paul Manafort 
had visited Assange in the Ecuadorian embassy. They ran that for a long time. Turned out to be totally false. So I've got a clip for you here. This is uh, this is Assange speaking with Hannity about whether or not uh, Russia was the source of these DNC and John Podesta emails. You say to the American people unequivocally that you did not get this information about the DNC, John Podesta's emails. Can you tell the American people a thousand percent you did not get it from Russia or yes. anybody associated with Russia? We, we can say, um, we have said uh, repeatedly uh, over the last two months uh, that our source uh, is not the Russian government uh, and it is not a state party. So, you know, you, you might say, well, this guy has done awful things to the United States. Why would you believe him when he says that? Well, WikiLeaks stock and trade is the fact that they have never been shown to have been dishonest. None of their leaks have ever been shown to be um, fraudulent. They have a 1,000% batting average. And here's what you need to ask yourself. Even if the source of the DNC emails and the John Podesta emails, none of which, by the way, have ever been challenged as to their authenticity or, uh, or truthfulness, even if the source were from Russia, why would Julian Assange uh, not make that public? WikiLeaks is in the business of publishing these documents regardless of the source. They take, uh, they take information as long as it can be verified and corroborated. They put it in the public domain. They would have no reason to, to protect Russia in this matter. If they had, uh, if they had leaks on uh, Russia that came from the United States, they would certainly publish that as well. But Assange has done a, a lot of this over the over the times. In addition to the Iraqi um, emails that they published, uh, they also published uh, Edward Snowden's leaks. You remember Edward Snowden was a uh, a low level contractor at the NSA that blew the whistle and uh, leaked to WikiLeaks the fact that the NSA was in fact collecting all of our emails and phone calls and storing them in giant server farms. That so angered the U.S. government that um, Snowden had to flee the country and is now uh, hiding in, uh, in Russia. WikiLeaks revealed that the CIA had lost control of their hacking tools and that all of these viruses and malware uh, hacking tools developed by um, the American intelligence community were had been let loose and of course um, he, he the WikiLeaks published these DNC and John Podesta emails as well again none of these emails have ever ever been proven false there's never been proof that um, Julian Assange lied about the source they have a steadfast policy not to reveal the sources at WikiLeaks, and that is because that's their stock and trade. If they don't protect the anonymity of their sources, then their sources will go away. 
I don't know if you uh, watched Tucker Carlson last night, but he was absolutely brilliant in talking about this. I want to play you this clip because he says it better than I can. Forwardly, he made us look like buffoons, so now we're sending him to prison. Instead, they're denouncing him as, you guessed it, a Russian agent. Watch Senator Richard Blumenthal explain. Jeff should come to Julian Assange for his role in Russian meddling in our election, and the sooner the better. Okay, so once again, just to be totally clear, no one has ever shown that Julian Assange is a Russian agent. The indictment against him today does not say that. It doesn't mention Russia at all. But that has not stopped virtually every politician in Washington from repeating Senator Blumenthal's line, including many Republicans. Robert Mueller nearly killed the Russia collusion hoax. Julian Assange is allowing them to keep it alive. You'd think journalists would say something about this. Assange is, after all, one of them. What do you call a man who publishes news for a living? Assange is no sleazier than many journalists in Washington. He's definitely not more anti-American. He is definitely not more anti-American. And, and uh, to see these, um, these editorials in the Washington Post, for instance, today, where they say that Julian Assange is not a free, uh, free press hero and that uh, they want him charged, is just mind-boggling. This is the same Washington Post that published the Pentagon Papers that so damaged our nation, took it to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said that they were perfectly within their rights, but now they're claiming that Julian Assange is not a journalist. And as Tucker says, well, what do you call somebody who publishes information in the public domain that is of uh, public interest? The same idiots that say that uh, surveillance tapping phone lines, reading people's emails, infiltrating the uh, presidential campaign of the opposing party and sending uh, operatives in uh, to infiltrate the campaign. They say that that isn't spying. It's just now the same people that saying that Julian Assange is not a journalist. He does exactly the same thing as the New York Times and the Washington Post do, except when he published the DNC emails and the John Podesta emails, he violated a, a, a golden rule in the opposition media, and that is that you don't speak ill of the Democrats. Yes, Julian Assange acted irresponsibly when he, he released Bradley Manning's uh, stolen um, classified documents. New York Times or the Washington Post would have jumped at that opportunity and they would have been awarded a Pulitzer Prize for having done so. But as I say, this issue has been decided. They are perfectly within their rights to do this. And now to see the opposition media in this country celebrating the arrest of Julian Assange and trying to portray this as somehow comeuppance that he's getting for having colluded with Russia just really tells you just how far down and how disreputable our media is. They don't even have um, honor among thieves. They're just strictly rabid partisans. If they can leak and 
published classified information and you and I'll just remind you of the the hundreds of leaks that took place after Donald Trump was elected, including complete transcripts of his phone calls with foreign leaders. And again, they got they got uh, Pulitzer prizes for doing that. And now, now that Julian Assange, who's doing exactly the same thing as they did, but hurt their precious Hillary Clinton, they're all celebrating that. They think that's just great. And it's going to be very interesting to see whether or not, in fact, the United Kingdom extradites an Australian citizen for publishing hacked emails from an American political part or from a from a uh, a traitor in the United States military we got to run out to a break when we come back we're going to be joined by Dan Perkins to discuss the Democrats plans to stuff the ballot box right after these messages When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Haverty's Furniture is here to help you get your home all set for the new year so you can set the stage with more style, set the bar more beautifully, and set a more show-stopping table. Let's set some time aside to settle in on a new sofa together because being at home shouldn't mean having to settle for less. And Haverty's Furniture can help you start the new year off right at their holiday savings event so you can create the perfect setting. And right now, everything's on sale store-wide. The Democrat Party has become the choice of coastal elites and big city voters. In the 2016 election, Hillary Clinton got more votes than Donald Trump by winning huge margins in California, New York City, Boston, and Chicago. Nevertheless, Trump won 30 states and a comfortable Electoral College victory with 306 votes to Hillary's 232. This has got the Democrats scrambling to scrap our Electoral College that the founders placed in the Constitution, as well as proposing several other schemes to stuff the ballot box. To talk about this, we're joined by Dan Perkins. He writes for The Daily Caller, Clash Daily, Newsette, and Newsmax. And he's the author of the Brotherhood of the Red Nile Trilogy, which you can find on Amazon. You can also follow him on Twitter at Dan's Beak. Dan, thanks for coming on right now. Thank you, sir. It's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. So we've got uh, pretty much the entire Democratic uh, presidential field, every one of which who are elected officials who swore an oath to the Constitution, vowing mm-hmm. going in that they're going to come up with schemes to uh, circumvent the Electoral College without actually amending the Constitution. That's, 
it sounds like they're uh, they're trying to subvert the very uh, constitution that they swore an oath to protect. You're absolutely correct, and you know it's it's been amazing to me to watch uh, all these things that the Democrats and their their co-conspirators, the news media, um, and I call them co-conspirators because when you think about the way the stories are reported, it's as if it's a fait complete. Because the Democrats have spoken, therefore the Electoral College will be changed. And the idea that because they've said it, it will happen, uh, really uh, is ignorant in the sense that there's a, a legislative process. The House can pass anything they want, but in order for a, a bill to become law, it has to go through, if it starts in the House, it has to go through the Senate, has to be signed by the President to go into law. Now, the idea, again, this is the arrogance of the elites on the left. Because they don't like the outcome, they want to change the Constitution. But in order to change the Constitution, you have to do a constitutional amendment. And the flaw in their thinking is because the, the coast wanted, the flyover in the middle will acquiesce to what they want. The idea that they that they think that there's not going to be a fight over this, that there aren't going to be people who are going to violently object to it, and are going to get in their in their face, is uh, not in their lexicon. They don't even think about it. They think because they've decided that we have to get rid of the electoral college, it's going to get done, and there's a process. And yes, you're you're right. They're trying to subvert the constitution, but. The minute they try and subvert the Constitution, the administration will file a lawsuit. And the Supreme Court also has a, an oath to uphold the Constitution. Will say that the only way that the, that the Constitution can be changed is through constitutional process. Well, they've put together this the uh, this scheme. It's called the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact, and I think it uh, takes um, it takes two hundred and seventy. Uh, states with a total of 270 votes to pass this piece of legislation. Oregon is the most recent uh, state that passed it, which actually mm-hmm. uh, tells the voters in those states that uh, it doesn't matter who wins the popular vote in our state. If uh, another candidate wins the popular vote nationally, we're going to give our electoral votes, which is your vote, to uh, to another candidate, which is basically – disenfranchising their own voters. And it, it's just mind-boggling. Right. Not only is it, um, you know, uh, circumventing and running, an, uh, uh, I would argue, an unconstitutional uh, end run around the Electoral College, but it's also disenfranchising mm-hmm. the very people that they were sent there to represent. Well, you know, uh, you, you, you raise an excellent point, and I would take you back into November, December 2016, when Hillary lost. And we started the the the, the chant that uh, Donald Trump colluded with the Russians, and Hillary won, as you pointed out, because she got more popular vote in California and in New York. Which, if you in reality, if you look at the spread of how many more popular votes she had, 
and you look at the margin of victory that she got in California over Trump, the margin of victory was actually greater than greater than the actual margin of victory across the country. So the, the entire margin of victory and even the popular vote came from California is what you're saying? Yeah, yes, sir, if you look at the numbers. Now, oh. what, the reason why I'm pointing this out is if there was going to be a, a significant change, the momentum to, to try and get that started would have been shortly after Hillary lost. And they tried, and they failed. And so I, 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 I really think that the left has a problem. You know, you can talk about changing the Constitution, avoiding the Constitution, but as you aptly pointed out, those individuals were sworn oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. Not as they'd like it to be, but as it is. And there's a process by which you change the Constitution in the Constitution, and that's through a constitutional amendment. And it would never and pass so, changing uh, the Electoral College because the, the states with uh, lower populations would never vote for it, so they can't do it that way. That's right. And, and that is the ingenious, if you think about, when these founding fathers had that foresight and vision over 250 years ago to realize that some states were going to be larger and more powerful than the others. And the way to balance everybody out so that everybody is fair and, and equal, hold the nation together. Right. Is through the electoral college. That's, that's the beauty and the, uh, and the genius of what those men did when they formed the constitution. They, they, they had tremendous vision and it's when you, which as you just said, they will never get, the Constitution modified under the constitutional process because the smaller states are not going to vote for it. And the bi-coastals don't have enough electoral votes and enough votes to change the Constitution. Because Dan, in the modif- Dan, back in, uh, you, you mentioned uh, back in November of 2016, I want to play, mm-hmm. I want to play a, a sort of a long compilation I've got here of that okay. election night, I never really get tired of reliving that election night. But uh, this <laughs> <The year. laughs> this uh, this compilation, this montage I've put together, really illustrates um, the strength of the electoral college and uh, and how much frustration and anger really on the left because uh, you know flyover country is thwarting their leftist plan. Stand by. <laughs> I am officially running for President of the United States. Could he actually win? No freaking way! Which Republican candidate has the best chance of winning the general election? Donald Trump. There's not going to be a President Donald Trump. Trump will not be President. Trump will never be elected President of the United States. You're not going to be President. A man who will never be President of the United States. Donald Trump is not going to be President of the United States. Take it to the bank. He will never be President. Donald Trump is not going to become President of the United States. She's at plus 19. Do you think the tapes made a difference? Of course! 
They made all the difference. This race is over. Hillary Clinton has raised more than double Donald Trump vastly outspending him. The presidency at about 89% for Hillary Clinton. Uh, your analytical model has uh, never been wrong. Now projects Hillary Clinton to win presidential election. 100% chance. You still think she has 100% chance of winning the election? Mm. I do. And what would Donald Trump have to do to turn things around? prayer and hope for a festivist miracle. <laughs> this is CNN's coverage of election night in America. The fight for the presidency. Because we don't care. Oh, okay, have Kentucky. Who cares? Kentucky don't no, care about you, Indiana. Don't care. Indiana with it's West Virginia, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Mississippi, South Carolina, Alabama, Kansas, Nebraska, and Wyoming with its vote North Dakota and South Dakota, Texas. Uh, up and down the middle of the country. All red. Arkansas, Louisiana, the state of Montana, Missouri. Yes. It was at 80% an hour ago for Clinton. What is it now? 68%. Okay, I'm Damn it, I'm nervous. Ohio. Oh, 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 hold, hold. Ohio, gone. Idaho. Okay. Yeah, I don't see a fucking landslide here. I don't see it at all. North Carolina. God damn it, if we need Florida, are you shitting me? Florida. It, it is fucking panic time. New Georgia. Donald Trump, now the favorite to win the presidency. Iowa. <clears throat> New York Times now has it at... 95% chance. Utah. To still win, but in order to do so, she has to win Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Damn. Arizona. Alaska. Pennsylvania. Michigan. Oh, what sorry. a night. It- <laughs> so, I'm sorry to make you listen to that. I just never get tired of listening to it, but it, it really shows as they ring off those states that, you know, California and New York don't control uh, who who is elected president. They've got to appeal to a broad midsection of flyover country if they ever hope to regain the presidency. Right. I, I happen to be doing uh, election night coverage, and my particular role that night was counting votes, counting electoral votes. And about 9 o'clock, we were doing this is all live, about 9 o'clock, I called the host on my cell phone and I said, it's over. I said to him, if, if she wins a hundred percent of the states that she's leading in, she can't win. And he said to me, are you sure? I said, well, I'll have somebody go over the, go over the vote totals with me, but I'm looking at what's coming in and and what's happening and the projections and where they are. And I said at nine o'clock, I think we were that particular show I was on. We were one of the first to call the election. Uh, And I went on the air and uh, I basically said, this is what I see in the numbers. And I, I literally, it, it wasn't rocket science. It was just simple math looking at the numbers and what I projected at nine o'clock, the the electoral vote count was going to be was right on at the end of the night, and 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 so we're all sitting around. We're in different parts of the country. I'm here in Florida, and people in Kansas and Chicago and New York, and and I'm saying to us, it's when I went on the air, and the, and the host said, "Okay, tell them what you got." And I said, "It's over." He said, "Well, what do we do now? <laughs> what do we do now? Because you're telling us over." And every time, you know, every time another state would drop in, in Trump's column, they kept saying, Dan, 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 <laughs> it's going to happen, isn't it? I said, yes, it's going to happen. He's going to be the president of the United States. 
Well, you know, so that, uh, I, that, that clip really illustrates when the Trump derangement syndrome really took hold. And ever since then, the, uh, the Democrats and, and this new crop of presidential candidates that they put forward have gone farther and farther out on the left as if they've completely lost any grounding with, the, uh, with middle America. And now we've got Bernie Sanders uh, proposing that we allow uh, convicts to vote from the prisons, lowering the mm-hmm. voting age to 16 years old. And, and you know mm-hmm. they're registering uh, illegal aliens to vote when they get driver's licenses in California and New York. Uh, how, does, how to understand how the Democrats can demand that the smoking age should be 21 and buying again guns should be 21, but we're, we're going to give people, young people at 16 years of age to the right to vote. Dan, you know how they do um, that? There's a large number of them that do not have children. Anybody that has had a 16-year-old in their house knows that that is not somebody you want making that kind of decision. <laughs> that is not what 16-year-olds need to be doing. They're they're just formulating their worldview and their, what is it? Their hypothalamus isn't uh, fully formed and it, it's just right. a, a recipe for disaster. But you would see... Why the Democrats would want that is because you you kind of have to be a little immature and crazy to vote Democrat. Well, and it, it shows it shows uh, this 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 was a very 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 important week in this country this week. Um, it shows the 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 as you pointed out so aptly their lack of a relationship and understanding. To the to the mainstream American people, they're they're not there. But for the first two years plus of Donald Trump's presidency, the Democrats had control of the agenda. They had control of, or tried to have control of Donald Trump, uh, and and the, the collusion and everything else. And when when the Mueller report came out, and there was no collusion and no other criminal behavior. They went into a reactionary mode uh, of, of attacking the messenger, and he was he was uh, biased, and he was uh, not interpreting the, the the memo correctly. And so they they continued their narrative, uh, even though the report came out that it was not what they were looking for. But what I say that this week was a very important week. What happened this week? And there's two ways to look at it. It was either an intersumption of a forward pass by the Democrats, by the Republicans, or they just stole the ball. And that all happened in the two days of testimony of the attorney general. I know where you're going, Dan, and then we can make a whole show out of that. I do really want to focus on this electoral issue. Um, okay. I, I, I would just agree with you what the uh, what the Democrats did, and I've, I've been in their um, – their war rooms and their strategy sessions. They knew that they were going to have to keep um, uh, Bill Barr on the defensive, uh, you know, or uh, they would would have to answer for the spying. But uh, as I said, that is for another show. I I want to talk about why in the world, you know, we're both here in Florida, and uh, during the the, uh, last mid-cycle election, the Democrats actually did send – uh, poll workers into the uh, the jails to uh, to uh, deliver absentee ballots to to people who were um, you know waiting their trial, including the the shooter uh, 
crews at, at Parkland and uh, mm-hmm. and had them vote you would have you would think that the optics of that would be so negative for them that they wouldn't dare do it but um but they came pretty darn close to electing a, a socialist governor here in Florida right um uh first of all the 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 fact that that they went into prisons and and theoretically the people supposedly the people that they were trying to get to vote on an absentee ballots were not convicted felons. So because they weren't convicted felons, they hadn't gone to trial. Um, they still had, they had the right under Florida law that they could vote. And so they were looking for votes. Um, but I, I think that, that, um, uh, but you know, law abiding people see that and they think that's just, that's wrong. But apparently they, they've got, uh, you know, such a, um, a large voter base that uh, no longer votes on uh, on traditional values that uh, they can get away with it. Um, it it really struck me as odd. I want to play one more clip for you. This is a okay. this is a guy on MSNBC. He was one of the congressmen out in Orange County, California, that got uh, that lost his seat in the House as a vote of the Democrats' vote harvesting scheme, and uh, he's explaining what exactly they did out there. Casey. Hey, uh, Congressman Denham, it's Casey Hunt. I, I just want to pick back up on uh, what you were just talking about with the, the tax cut. If the tax cut was good for your district and isn't why you lost your election, why did you lose? <laughs> well, the, the earlier segment, you talked about ballot harvesting. Ballot harvesting is legal now in California as of this last election. When you can find 250,000 ballots after Election Day, uh, you can move a lot of different seats. My seat, uh, we want early votes. We want absentee votes. We want Election but Day votes. Did this station called David Valadez. Are you implying that the results of your election are invalid? No, I'm saying it's it's legal in California, and if California is going to win Republican seats back, Republicans had better figure out how to ballot harvest as they have in other states. So your loss had nothing to do with President Trump, in your view. It had to do with this quote-unquote ballot harvesting. Uh, if you look at polling numbers, um, uh, the president was polling almost even uh, right before my election. We were up by eight points. Well, the truth of the matter is with those ballot harvesting schemes out there, you don't know if those are legitimate votes or not because the, uh, right. the campaign workers from the, the Democrats send out assist uh, the voter in filling out the ballot. The voter may be illiterate. The voter may be uh, ineligible to vote, any number of things. And as mm-hmm. the congressman said, they delivered 250,000 votes in Orange County alone and, and turned a solidly red district uh, or county I think it had seven congressional districts in it, entirely blue. Mm-hmm. So but, uh, they've got but, the, they've got I, the. Go ahead. I, I just I wanted to I just wanted to follow up with a point there. Um, I want I want to take you back with a little bit of math there. If you look at the number of net gain seats that Democrats got in the House. They got less seats than the number of Republicans who said they were not going to run for re-election. So had the Republicans and and the and the rules not the rules but this the history is that incumbents win ninety three percent of the time. We had over forty four Republican congressmen who did not and women who did not stand for re-election. Had those those people stood for re-election, the Democrats would not have had control of the House. 
And a lot of so them, was, um, you know, I, I, I understood that several um, or probably a dozen of uh, never Trumpers, uh, you know, just didn't want to deal with the new realities that they um, that they were no longer able to push their establishment schemes. But there were a lot right. of um, solid conservative congressmen like Daryl Issa and um, and some others that uh, that just threw in the towel inexplicably um, thinking that they would not win re-election, and I never really understood it. But you, but under uh, I, I, I understand it. That's a, that's a tough one to understand. But but the practical reality is is if you look at the never Trumpers, and uh, we had the Speaker of the House who was a never Trumper. Right. The, the Speaker of the House did not run for a re-election. Republican Speaker was a never Trumper. He was. He, so how we, old was uh, Paul Ryan? Uh, he's he's in his uh, middle forties. Mm-hmm. He's Speaker of the House, most powerful position uh, in uh, the House of Representatives. Obviously, had mm-hmm. the had the whole world ahead of him. Stymied, uh, I would say, through underhanded tactics, the president's agenda repeatedly, and then just uh, just quit. But but um, they did not lose that district, did they? No, I, I don't think they did. But but my point is is that we had the never trumpers who who and and the committee people the committee chairs who had because of the rules of the house uh would would give up their their chair seats even if the Democrat, democrats did not get control republicans would have to move on and a lot of them chose not to stand for re-election because they were going out as a committee chairman and whatever but my point is my point is that that we're forgetting the fact that in the first at least 12 months of Donald Trump's presidency, the number of Republicans in the House and the Senate who were opposed to him for being president was huge. And so that whether they're never, never Trumpers or whether they didn't agree with, the, uh, with his principles or whatever it was, um, the president never had the support of the Republican Party and the leadership of the Republican Party. And and then 12 months after he's inaugurated, we're getting ready for the midterm elections. And so people were, were bailing on the president and bailing on the Republican Party and the American people because they didn't they didn't want to get defeated, thinking they were going to get defeated. They didn't want to get defeated, so they chose not to run or they couldn't stand Mr. Trump, or, or a myriad of things. My point is that all of that gave an, an emphasis to the Democrats to think that, that, that things had changed. In reality, things didn't really change. The counts changed, which caused the change in the leadership. But I heard this week, and you might or may not agree with it, given now that Mr. Mueller report has 47% of Americans believing that the true collision was between Hillary and the Russians, not Mr. Trump. The number of people who would like to have a chance to revote the midterms would be a different outcome. And I think what's going to happen is when the Mueller report is out and the American people begin to have a chance to read it, if they do, 
uh, we're going to find that the Democrats are in serious, serious trouble. Well, they're going to mischaracterize with, the Mueller report so uh, dramatically. Uh, you know, it's not. It's, I don't. I don't believe it's going to decide anything. There's going to be so many redactions of grand jury testimony and <laughs> sources and methods in there that the Democrats will continue to miss. Uh, portray it uh, in order to try to you know keep covering up the Obama administration spying scandal. But I take your point that um, you know losing these um, establishment Republican never Trumpers uh, was not necessarily a great loss in the House because uh, many of them were voting against uh, America's uh, Trump's America First agenda in any case. Agreed. And now right. you've got this this presidential field for the Democrats out there running wild, and I just wonder if there's not a lot of uh, a voter remorse for people that put the Republicans and Nancy or the Democrats and Nancy Pelosi back in charge, and if that won't swing the other way uh, come 2020. I I have no doubt about it. In fact, I, I give you two quick points. Did you see Nancy Pelosi yesterday at all on television? I did. She aged twenty years. Yeah, she's uh, she's in she's the worst. She looks the worst I've ever seen her physically looking. Um, and 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 number two, um, there are currently now eighteen candidates for the Democratic nomination. Uh, I saw a report today there could be as many as seven more that come in twenty five. They're going to tear each other now, apart. Right now, so I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to. Follow what I'm saying here. Cause make, I'm, it, make it quick, Dan, because we need to wrap okay. it up. Okay. Who in the Democratic Party is going to raise their hand and volunteer to be the Walter Mondale against Donald Trump? I think it's going to be a, a McGovern uh, situation. But uh, I want to give you plenty of time to talk about this uh, this uh, fundraiser your foundation's doing there. So uh, we're going to uh, uh, go come to a close now. Dan Perkins writes for The Daily Caller, Clash Daily, Live Set, Newsmax, and The Hill. He's the author of the Brotherhood of the Red Nile trilogy that you can get on Amazon. And you can follow him on Twitter at, at Dan's Beak. Dan, you, uh, you've got a foundation uh, to, to help uh, veterans, and you've got a big event coming up there in Sanibel. How about telling the listeners yes. about that? Yeah, um, this, the organization is Songs and Stories for Soldiers. The website is songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Or if you want to make it simple, you can go to my website, Dan's perkins.guru g-u-r-u and there's a link there it's a foundation that my wife and i started five years ago to help the veterans administration and other veteran service organizations help treat post-traumatic stress disorder sleep deprivation and suicide prevention we're in 120 facilities across the united states we've given away 18,000 of our mp players mp3 players free and we're having an opportunity to uh, work with the Florida Department of Veterans Affairs. They have seven nursing homes in the state of Florida that are designed specifically to deal with Alzheimer's and dementia patients, uh, which are veterans. There are seven facilities currently housing about a thousand veterans. And we did a pilot last year in the one in Port Charlotte. The veterans absolutely love the program. So we're how can how can people uh, uh, participate in this real quick? Uh, if they can, they can buy a sponsorship of a hole in the name of a veteran by going to songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us and sign up. If they're in the Santa Bell area, they can come and join us and play. Outstanding. On Sunday, the 19th of May. Outstanding. Dan, thanks for joining us, and I hope you'll come back and uh, talk to us again sometimes. Uh, this is uh, has been Dan Perkins, and you're listening to Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. When the weather outside is frightful... 
the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.